So welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is Andre from The Mental Elf. I'm here with Jenny Donovan, who's the CEO of the Australian Education Research Organisation, AERO, and who's giving a talk uh, at the EIS 2021 conference next week entitled The Evidence for Change. Welcome, Jenny, to the podcast. It's really good to have you here. First of all, tell us what you mean when you say evidence-based education. What we would like at Aero is for evidence to be understood very broadly. I think that given that we are mostly focusing our work for teachers to enable practitioners to improve on their practice in order to improve student learning outcomes, we don't want to begin from the outset sounding like we exist in an academic ivory tower and the business we do is very expert and very precious and very special and only a limited audience of people can understand it and access it. We're intending instead to go with a very broad definition that encompasses the evidence that people working in schools are very familiar with. So we we want to talk about um, research evidence, so the kind of academic research, causal research, synthesis research that we're familiar with understanding as um, the research that has the most robust evidence base. But we also want to talk about practitioner-generated evidence and research. We want to acknowledge that um, teachers in classrooms are surrounded by evidence all the time and we want to be able to apply a definition that includes them and the evidence they know and then works with them to think about how they might incorporate other kinds of evidence into the work that they do. Uh, our sense is that if we set out with the, you know, the food pyramid the, of, of evidence, the randomised controlled trials at the apex and the gold standard and all the rest, that we'll just alienate the very people we most want to engage. So evidence is the stuff that happens in their classrooms too, the assessments they do, the observations they make, the conversations they have with colleagues. The, the distinguishing features would be the standard of the evidence in terms of its reliability for the decision-making that you need to be engaged in. If you're a classroom teaching, your decision-making might be, they really don't get possessive apostrophes, what am I going to do next? I know I'll try that thing that my colleague told me about, which is perfectly fine and contextually appropriate. If, however, you're the leader of a school and you're trying to determine what's the right reading program to make sure all of your teachers are trained in, you probably want a more robust evidence base for that. So you'd be looking at um, some of the programs that are backed by randomised controlled trials, etc. So the, there's a kind of continuum of, of what I mean by evidence-based education. It's the practice that teachers and policy makers and system leaders are engaged in. The kind of evidence they might draw on will vary depending on their context. Basically, evidence is that thing that gives them confidence about their decision-making. That feels like a really roundabout answer to your question. Were you expecting something more straightforward? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think that's great. And I think, you know, you've you've hit the nail on the head in terms of trying to implement something which is going to work with the people who work in education. You know, the same is true in healthcare, isn't it? If you look at the way that EBM, evidence-based medicine, has been implemented or not, a lot of the backlash is often from people who say, well, you know, RCTs, systematic reviews, they're just not appropriate. You know, it's not the right type of evidence for my kind of setting. But But surely... We do this already, don't we, in education? Surely all educational decisions are based on the best available evidence. How else are we doing it? I can't quite tell whether you're asking me that with your 
tongue in your mouth and in your cheek or not. Very um, much so. <laughs> I thought you might be. Look, I, I think re realistically and, and to be fair to people in education, you need to think about how anybody might know or be able to determine whether something is the best available evidence. Where would they begin to make that judgment? There is so much research out there and some of it's pretty poor, but there's not much there to help a teacher or a school leader or even a policymaker in a system identify what's good, bad or indifferent. So I, I think it's, um, you know, we, we have opportunities for teachers to engage with evidence. We, we offer professional learning opportunities to every teacher in every classroom in Australia, but we don't necessarily make a systematic effort to support them to use that time to engage with the best possible evidence. And so the 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 outcome of that, um, it, well, and you mentioned health, which is a really great comparison, I think, because education is sort of where health was over a decade ago in terms of its relationship to evidence-informed practice, I, I would suggest. The, the thing that we need to recognise is that teachers are incredibly busy people. Schools are very busy places. They're busy keeping students safe and attending to their well-being as well as to their learning. And the, the, realistically, the default position is often to do that thing you've always done because it's really hard to carve out the space to figure out what is the thing that maybe I could be doing differently? What, what is the change I need to make? Um, and it's all too busy in that kind of um, environment to just settle for what you do because it was the thing you were taught or the thing you've seen your colleagues doing or the thing that is your, your habit or your go-to or whatever. I think there, that what that results in is a lot of ineffective practice um, and a lot of places where teachers know they're not getting the outcomes they really wish they were or are striving for, but they're not sure what to do about it. So we end up in this place where they need support to know that what they're doing is the best thing, the most evidence-based practice possible. They need support to be able to find it. They need support to be able to see how it might be implemented into their practice in their context. And that means we need to be thinking about not just them, but also the systems who are employing them and giving them the opportunities for professional learning and providing them with the support and the incentives to engage with evidence to improve their practice. The other point I'd make is that well, there's no one in education because, you know, they don't have a whole lot of commitment to education and a whole lot of goodwill and intention to do good. There's nobody out there deliberately trying to do the wrong thing or the worst thing they can possibly find to do. The problem for them is they don't have the time or the wherewithal to find the alternative, the better thing, the 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 practice that will lead to the greater impact. And part of the reason for that is Nobody has ever told them when it's okay to stop doing something they've always done. We often come back to them and say, we need more reform, we need people to do things differently, we need better outcomes for students, that means everybody's got to change. But nobody ever says, and that means don't do this thing anymore, they just load another thing on top. So I think another reason for us to see both teachers and policymakers, decision makers, system space people as our audience is we need to get the systems to work better to support the teachers to actually be able to implement evidence-based practice more effectively than they can at the moment. I want to get your sense of what the problems are currently with the education 
evidence base? You know, is it that we have lots of really good quality evidence that is relevant to practice that we haven't implemented? And it's literally just that we need to somehow get that into the system. Or is it that actually educational evidence, you know, all the RCTs and all that kind of stuff that's been done, isn't really relevant to the questions that are important to teachers and to schools? Uh, that's a really interesting question. I've been thinking about that too. I, I think it is true that there's a disconnect between the research that happens and the answers that people in education need. Um, and I think education is particularly prone to, um, or, or, or has a particularly weak relationship connection between those two things. But your question actually goes to, uh, segues beautifully into maybe me explaining what the three purposes of ERA are, are going to be. And I'm saying are going to be because we hope by the time I do this presentation next week that Aero will finally have been incorporated and actually be um, officially up and running. We're um, we're almost there. The the three purposes are to undertake research because yes, you're right. There is a great deal of research out there, um, but here in Australia, there is also a perception that some of the research that informs our current practice isn't necessarily um, derived from an Australian context or potentially relevant to an Australian context. And there's an appetite for more research that is being conducted in our schools with our students, using our teachers um, uh, and applying different programs and approaches. Um, so there is still a sense of there being some evidence gaps, if you like, and work there for, for us to do potentially, if not you know, from within our own agency, then by commissioning other people to do it and we'll identify some priority areas. The second thing is that identifying that, yes, there's such a lot of evidence out there and there is a reasonably robust evidence base for the most effective teaching practices, you know, some of the really obvious questions. Um, but as we were talking about before, teachers haven't necessarily found it. Systems haven't necessarily found it, or if they've found it, they haven't figured out how to make it um, accessible to teachers, or they haven't produced it in a way that is engaging for teachers or relevant for the teachers in their context. You know, there's a gap between the fact that that evidence may exist, but teachers don't know about it, or they can't filter what's there for good quality, or they can't filter it to see what is um, robust and, and more reliable, etc. Um, so there's a whole lot of work to do in terms of the kind of translation, if you like, and synthesising of, of lots of information into the thing that the teachers need to know, and then providing it to them in a format that they can pick up and use. As I was talking about earlier, they're really busy. So maybe the thing to do isn't to put a 40-page report on a website, it's to provide them with a 15-minute podcast, audio book, something like that. But then the third thing goes to your other question, which is about we've got an evidence base, but we don't implement it necessarily. And I think that is absolutely the gap here in Australia, if not everywhere. Um, I can point to, as I said before, really robust evidence about effective teaching practices. What I couldn't tell you is whether or not those teaching practices were being used in all of our schools, and none, nor could the heads of our departments, nor could the heads of our sectors. Um, in some cases, possibly, nor could the principals of the schools. 
there, there's a real need to understand better what are the practices that are being deployed in classrooms, what is the evidence that's informing teachers and the choices that they're making and the practices that they're deploying, why aren't they using more robust evidence, is it because they don't know about it, is it because they've got, uh, you know, way back in their training they were ideologically predisposed to a different way of doing things? We don't know the answers to any of these questions. So from the point of view of Aero, that is a third purpose for being. We need to understand better what is happening in terms of evidence-informed practice, how we can affect that, how we can encourage teachers to change their practices potentially, um, and how we can be certain that we've got that piece right as well. It's, it's almost a, a, a research project unto itself to know better about what's happening and what we can do to support more effective implementation of the best evidence-informed practice. So it's actually potentially quite a bleak picture that you're painting there. Um, you know, like it's the Wild West out there and we don't really know what's going on. And you're saying something in there about supporting teachers to use evidence to change their practice. So let's talk about that as a thing, whether that's even appropriate you know, we, we know from history that um, decisions about what we do in schools, you know, top down reforms, um, individual schools making decisions about how they're going to do things isn't always based on robust research evidence. Sometimes it's just based on somebody going to a conference and seeing a trade stand and thinking that looks great and being you know, persuaded by the marketing. Um, should we be supporting schools and, and school leaders to use evidence in practice is that a kind of you know where the academics coming along and saying come on guys let's do it the right way how do you think that should work uh it wasn't the academics so much as the leaders of systems you know australia is a federation we we actually have nine departments of education in this relatively small population of a country um, and it was the heads of all of those systems who were more inclined to be saying to me, look, one of them said memorably, can you save me from the fads and the grifters? <laughs> His sense was there are plenty of charlatans out there offering their silver bullets and their snake oil solutions to things. Um, and he finds it difficult at the moment to be able to push back saying no, uh, that isn't a sufficient evidence base. No, I'm not going to be uh, implementing that program across all of our schools because I can see that your standard of evidence isn't good enough or whatever. You know, the right response from their point of view and, and our task is for everybody to be a bit better educated about um, standards of evidence, about what good evidence looks like so that someone like the head of that system can ask the right questions, can query the spin, get behind the marketing and make a well-informed decision. You know, and for them, it's often they're making multi-million dollar decisions about how to resource chronic and intransigent problems in education. Um, so I think it's absolutely right. And I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't describe all of our schools as being the Wild West. I would describe them as places where People are energetically working to do their best for students. Um, but as I was describing before, they, they don't necessarily have the headspace or the opportunity or the right tools available to them to reflect on the things that aren't working well, aren't delivering the outcomes that they want. And 
part of what describing creating this whole new agency is about is a delivering them that stuff but also b working with those heads of all those government departments to say this is the stuff you want your teachers to be using and doing and attending to now you figure out what's the way to give them time back in their day or an incentive or um you know, the motivation to be wanting to to take on something that's new and will change their practice. Because change is really scary for everybody. It, it requires effort. And, you know, when you're time poor and you're already feeling a bit overburdened, it's the last thing that you want to have to contemplate. It, it's only that we're talking about teachers who, who really do want the best outcomes for their students that I think this endeavour is is going to work because they will be persuaded by something that is um, has a compelling evidence base that it's better for their students than what they're doing at the moment. When you defined evidence-based education earlier on, you were talking about the real wide spectrum of evidence, you know, from randomised controlled trials through to, um, you know, maybe action-based, practice-based research going on at much smaller scale in schools. How do you think implementation science can help us with this tricky job of deciding what is the right type of evidence to answer the question that we have? Look, I think what it gives us is the tools to help us think more systematically about the task. So, we want teachers and school leaders to see themselves as, as our partners in this enterprise. We, we don't really want them to consider themselves to be passive consumers of our great wise product that, you know, it's, it's just all good for them and they should do what we tell them to do. Um, we would prefer to be in a position where we're consulting with them about their needs and the evidence gaps. Um, that we're designing our studies or our experiments with them and, and that we're kind of closing a loop whereby we, we monitor the impact of our work in their schools so that we can learn and improve on what we're doing and what we're offering as well. I think what the, the, the main part of our task there or the, the first part of our task there is going to be about helping teachers and school leaders to become more confident about the research that they're exposed to um, whether whether it's research that they're participating in or undertaking or thinking about implementing into their own practice. We want them to be thinking about the implementation questions as they begin their engagement with research. So thinking from the outset about what do they need to know that will help them use this research well. Um, they they need to be ready to ask themselves questions like what does the evidence base say about how and why this practice will work? What are the adaptations I might need to make in my context? How might those adaptations influence the likelihood of success? How can I be sure that my implementation is effective? Get them thinking about the implications of implementation at the same time as they're thinking about the research and the new approach itself so that you have a, a really... Um, evaluative mindset as you approach doing something new and you're confidently able to tell what's worked and what hasn't um, and make adaptations. I think um, the other thing that implementation science does is really uh, 
discipline us into thinking about impact. So you don't just do something because you like the idea of it or somebody said it's great. You do it because you've got your eyes on the potential outcome all the time. And for the greatest impact in terms of evidence-based practice, our view is that we've, as I said earlier, we've got to engage with the systems. Um, you know, we can we can ha have a beautiful website with lovely stuff on it and hope really ho highly motivated teachers come and find us, but we'll have greater impact in terms of our own mission if what we're doing is working with the systems and getting them on board so that they are asking themselves important questions too, like, do the teachers in my system have the capability that they need in order to be evidence-based, evidence-informed practitioners? Um, do they have the motivation? Do we need to incentivize in some way? Um, and are we giving them the opportunity so that they can access the resources? Do they have the time that they're going to need in order to engage with this and implement it effectively and be able to monitor its success, etc.? So I, I think implementation science will absolutely be underpinning our approach to that third purpose that I described, which is how do we turn evidence and information into changed practice. Give us the elevator pitch for your talk. Tell, tell us why people should come along next week to the conference and listen to your keynote. Uh, look, um, look who, who wouldn't want to be starting out a brand new organisation that's dedicated to encouraging people to become evidence-informed practitioners and researchers. You should come along and listen to me so that you'll have an opportunity to learn from all my mistakes when you go and do it yourself because there should be more agencies like this one, I suspect. Um, and I could flag with you that I have, uh, as you may have already noticed, a terrible tendency to overshare. So I'll probably say lots of things and betray secrets that I shouldn't. So if that's you know, encouraging to people, they should definitely come along. Mm -hmm.